0: My name is Rich Barrett. I, I write uh, about comics for Mental Floss. And at this point, I'm gonna ask the panelists to introduce themselves, starting with Jim.
1: Uh, my name is Jim Rugg. I'm a cartoonist, designer, illustrator, kind of do a little bit of everything. My books include um, Aphrodisiac, published by Ad House Books about um, a exploitation inspired superhero, and Street Angel about um, the world's toughest girl. She's a homeless um, 12 or 13-year-old orphan who battles crime and monsters using kung fu and her skateboard. And um, beyond that, I've just done a lot of other little comics, free anthologies and books and things like that.
2: Hi, my name's Chula Lotte. I'm an illustrator and um, I've just done Supreme Blue Rose with Warren Ellis and Bodies for Vertigo. And I'm doing several covers and stuff at the moment for Rebels and um, lots of stuff like that. <laughs> I'm new to this. (laughs)
3: Uh, Hi, I'm Nathan Fox. Uh, I'm an editorial and advertising illustrator and a comic book and cover artist. I recently just wrapped up a cover series for FBP for Vertigo and currently working on the Sound Effects Quarterly Anthology, uh, Covers and a Short Story uh, in there. And uh, also chair of the MFA Visual Narrative Program at the School of Visual Arts. Uh, and as you guys walked in, there's little bookmarks and stickers over there. So uh, if you're interested in discussing that, please see me after. Uh, my name is Francis
4: Maniple. I was the writer and artist on The Flash and the writer and artist on Detective Comics. I'm
5: um, Dave Johnson, and uh, I just draw stupid pictures on covers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, my first question is kind of for everybody. Let's start with Dave. What is it about covers? Like, why why do you guys, um, why have you decided to devote so much of your career to doing What is it you love about
5: it? Because drawing interiors is hard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I second was so
5: hard. <laughs> So I got out of it and started doing animation full time for like 10 years. And, uh, you know, now I'm just back to just doing covers, you know uh i just like singular illustrations you know uh i tend to draw stuff differently every time i draw it so that's kind of bad when you're drawing panel to panel and the people keep changing crazy you know so but in covers people forget what i drew how i drew something the month before so i can get away with being inconsistent all the time (laughs) so
3: I'm
0: sure it is easier, and I, I, there's probably this perception that it's just one image as opposed to 22 pages. So it is easier, but I generally, for all of you, like how you know, in order to get to this one image, on average, how many different you know sketches and concepts do you have to go through? Uh, Nathan,
3: uh, I I work a little. I don't know, I work a little awkwardly. Uh, I end up thinking and sitting on sketches rather than sketching them out because I'm too lazy and impatient, probably. Uh, and my sketches are awfully horrible. Uh, they're more notes than uh, a refined drawing for me. Uh, I, I very much like things in the moment, so a lot of the sketches, once I, once I get started, I'm just trying to nail down uh, concepts and ideas uh, before actually kind of committing to something. In, in kind of vague composition um, but uh, uh, generally I'm just trying to research and, resp- and respond to something in the narrative or um, you know some kind of hook that's really going to get people's attention on the shelves uh, in terms of form and function as well as you know deliver to the story um, you know and the writer and the artist' intents of what's kind of going to go on in the interior and then on top of that try to make something pretty, pretty wicked in the process
0: how about you, Tula? How many concepts do you, need you have to burn through to get to the right one?
2: Um, I mean, I, I it sounds like I work very similarly to Nathan. Um, I kind of, I don't really just go in there doing different sketches and thumbnails. Um, I tend to think about stuff really, and it's, I don't know if this is a really strange way to do things, but, like, if I get a brief brief for something and I'm I, I kind of get excited about it, I tend to... Think about it before I go to sleep on an evening, and it kind of solidifies it in my mind and as I'm falling asleep, I come up with lots of really nice ideas and then the ideas i'm interested in and then the next day I may kind of i I look a lot of um film imagery and I watch a lot of films, and I tend to be very inspired by that, and so that might just make something click and then I get the basic idea in my head and I tend to just kind of do one or two sketches from that, really, or maybe just one, and tend to stick with that. And I make it work by moving it around on the canvas. So that that's kind of how I work. It's, mm-hmm. it, I think, I think it's a bit of trial and error with me, really. It's kind of the general idea, and then rather than sketching out thumbnails, having one image that's moved around, I tend to work like that more than. Any of way, really?
0: Um, do you? Does the uh, let's direct this to Francis? Um, actually, well, I'm going to come back to you, Francis, because you generally you kind of like are for your covers. You're often writing and drawing the book inside, so you probably have a, a sense of the, the content. But yeah. let's say for Dave, like um, you, you've got a, a project where what, what kind of information do they give you in order to develop a concept
5: for a cover? You know. What, what,
0: do you give, they give you the story beforehand. Do they give you some ideas, or they if just I'm kind of lucky, let you run yeah, a yeah. lot of
5: times because uh, the covers need to be done so far in advance, uh, the writer hasn't even written the story yet. Um, so um, I just kind of have to pull stuff out of him or out of the uh, editor, and which can lead to some goofy mistakes. Uh, it's like, wait a minute, this changed from what you told me, and now the cover is completely, you know, doesn't represent what's inside, but. Um, you know, sometimes it can lead to happy accidents that turn out really cool stuff. You know, so um, you know, it's funny. I, I've, I've even gotten to the point where I like I actually prefer not to read the story. I like, you know, because I know the editor has read it and the writer has written it. And I say, well, what do you think the cover should be? What What are images from the story? Do you think? And then I, I start pulling from that. You know, it's weird. I, I'm I'm a weirdo. Have you had to fight for an idea that, you know, was really not... Uh, not too I mean. much, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's weird. You get to a certain point in your career where editors kind of leave you alone, you know. I don't I don't know if you've, just, you know, like early in your career, you, like I was doing like 10 sketches. And they were, yeah. hmm, let me see, I, I don't know, you know, and then <laughs> I... Now, I just do one and I say, hey, if you don't like it, maybe I'll do another one, but here's (laughs) the best idea I've got. And I just don't even give them the opportunity to nix it or whatever. So, and, uh, uh, you know.
1: Paul Rand used to do that. He would only submit one idea. Yeah. You know, so that you're not getting that, like, oh, will you combine these two or this aspect of this other idea? Well, I used to give, like, a
5: really shitty one, and, (laughs) you know. But then they've picked it from time to time. Like, okay, I'm not even gonna do that. You know, I'm just, I'm just gonna give them my idea and, and be done with it. So, uh, so far it's been working.
0: How about you, Francis? Have you had to fight for a concept
4: in particular? Um, I uh, all the time back in the early days. You know, a lot of it came from. Uh, I worked on a lot of, uh, and I still do on a lot of superhero books and a lot of the things that they wanted on the covers was that they they wanted either uh, conflict or the hero in danger. And I couldn't do a lot of designing stuff uh, until I started writing my own material. And a lot of it had to... I remember having this this argument with, with Dan where I said, listen, you know, a lot of covers are extremely detailed and they don't stand out anymore. They stood out back in the 90s, but not anymore. Stuff that are more iconic and simpler... They they just stand out a lot better. And he said, "Well, no, people like danger." I'm like, "Look, we all know he's going to be fine. He's not going to die this issue. And even if he does, he'll be back next month. So just let me do this one cover with a silhouette and then be done with it." And at that time, I lost. Um, I lost that argument. But uh, once I got on on Detective, near, it was near the end of my my Flash run that I started being able to dictate a little bit more what I wanted to do. And then uh, there are certain times where because I wanted the logo placed in a certain way, I would actually hand-draw it on the cover. So that way I can't move it. I physically can't because it's hand-drawn,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know. Um, that's probably not the best idea because if they really wanted to move, I probably would have had to redraw it. But, you know, for the most part, in terms of how many layouts I do, like, like Dave, I used to do a ton and... Yeah, you know, every now and then you get the worst ones picked. So I now I just give like two ideas that I really like Cause, and, and a lot of times if I give more than two it's because I can't decide which one I want to do, you know, and then I sort of hand it to them and just get a second perspective on it. But typically I like to I like to know what the story is uh, going to be cuz it, it it helps uh dictate the the cover cuz then you don't have to be so um, literal with the covers, you can be a lot more representative of what the story' is about, and it makes it a lot easier to do covers that are much more um, designy i guess and then every now and then when i 've done covers where I have no idea what the story is about it it 's tough because i don't i don 't know the story, and so I just go back to the core of what the character is is about, and then I just try to work my way from there
0: I was going to ask you about the the uh, the logo. When you started Detective Comms, they yeah. introduced a new logo. Did you, were you involved in the creation of the logo or?
4: Well yeah, well when when we were using the the, the old one, it, it, it looked kind of you know like layery and I guess futuristic, but like it was already feeling kind of retro. But like not retro in a cool retro way. Um, but what happened was they showed me a bunch of the, the old logos that were rejected and that was the one that was rejected and that was the one that we plucked out and uh what's funny though is that the the original version is kind of skewed because they thought it's more dynamic if it's like angular and so every time i keep like (laughs) like fixing it for all the covers because when i when i was working on the flash flash was about like fluidity in movement and with detective I wanted a lot of uh, I wanted it to be rigid and structured because Batman was very he was a very structured character so that was what I was kind of trying to go for with the logo oh.
0: yeah it seems that, like they give you a lot of or they're giving you a lot of leeway with how you treat it yeah. placement, and place it
4: I mean they, they have you know and, and I think like like Dave said it, it I guess you, it takes a while to earn that trust you know and um, I think the the big leap was when I started coloring my own covers, you know, before I, uh, a friend of mine would color it. But, you know, there was so much aspect of, the, of designing a cover that you're really leaving out and you're not able to do unless you're coloring the covers. And, um, you know, so I, I think that was a, a real changing point in, in terms of how I started approaching the covers. Jim, where,
0: um, where do you kind of look outside of comics for your design inspiration?
1: Um, I or you can
0: say at, in, inside comics if you?
1: Yeah I look everywhere you know I like film like most cartoonists I know uh, my background is graphic design so I enjoy looking at you know design monographs and design magazines and listening to designers talk about their process um, just really anything visual is a potential source of inspiration or an idea um, so many of these ideas come from just the smallest, you know, the smallest concept, which really can pop up anywhere. It could be the end of a commercial or something. Just whatever happens to jive with whatever I'm trying to work out in my head at the time, um, and that could be anything. It could be just color. It could just seeing, be seeing a particular color somewhere, and that could be the key to whatever concept I have in mind. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, 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 Tula had mentioned, um, thinking about this stuff right before you go to bed. Uh, that's something I often do if I'm trying to work mm-hmm. out a, a problem. You know, you kind of, it's almost like putting as much of the information into my head as possible. If it's doing a cover, it might be reading the book or reading the material or reviewing sketches or notes. And then you know, I wake up in the morning and have some new ideas. So whatever I can think of to try to generate the idea, I, I'm happy to use.
0: Yeah. How about you, Nathan? Where, what are some sources of inspiration for your, for your designs?
3: Uh, I, th- I mean, I, th- I think it's it's kind of along, you know, pretty much along the same lines. Um, I think for a lot of the, especially for a lot of the FBP stuff, uh, in terms of the technology, tech, and situations that the characters are in, uh, just trying to match them up with, um, you know, we kind of hint at things that are going on as opposed to giving everything away or, like, what's expected of, like, a hero shot. Um, you know, I really wanted to try and, try and push something that... Ooh, maybe added to the story or kind of had its own flavor uh when approaching it because it's that immediacy um you know that just trying to capture of of getting the you know getting the readers and the uh subscribers interests uh let alone projecting the story itself Uh, but you know easily film um Mm -hmm. i've discovered a lot of color palettes and like trash i've found in new york and um, you know a lot of compositions you know just from life just trying to pull in things that you know when i 'm thinking of it and i 'm in the mood and like things are relative you know I agree like same thing with commercials uh, magazines, especially in terms of graphic design um there's a an awful lot of uh, amazing uh you know motion and moving imagery, especially on the internet um, uh you know and uh um a lot a lot of the the video sites now like Nowness uh, and uh, uh, some really amazing uh, intro work and in graphic design uh, the art of the title um, is a, a very big uh, influence uh, you know and just, just really trying to do something that feels like it's, it's me in the moment of, of you know the act of creating it um, you know most, most of it just kind of comes from that, that direction and that inspiration How about you Tulo? Some other
0: design inspiration yeah where you look.
2: yeah i mean i i studied design as well when when i did my degree and so i try and i try and let the design heavily influence my covers i i really i really love a strong sense of design and i'm really inspired by you know i think anyone that that's doing this kind of thing is is obviously inspired by people like soul bass and not just his his graphic design on paper, but his title sequences. You know, I, I can watch something like that and just think of a million things that I want to do. It's they're just so beautiful. But you know, like design heavy hitters like um Chip Chip Kid and Ollie Moss and, you know, the the McSweeney's book that came out and stuff, all that all that kind of stuff is is just really beautiful, intricate things. And you know, I'm looking at that kind of stuff on top of my favorite illustrators which who are all sat here (laughs) Um, and I I tend to really like when I I think I'm I'm very influenced by a lot of um, Saturday evening post illustration, um, all the 50s and 60s stuff there and a lot of the design that went along with that as well and the painterly effect that they have so you know all the Robert McGuinness, Robert Maguire, Bernie Fuchs, all all that stuff is Mm is super inspirational to me. And I, I tend to, look, I, I always worry about looking at other people's art when I'm starting a cover because you don't, you don't want to be influenced by something like that too much. But I do tend to go back to that, <coughs> the design aesthetics of that and the way it looks more than anything else, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, when I think about your work, I, I think about sort of that balance of like, these graphic images and kind of a lot, a lot of negative space. Like what are your kind of tricks for creating that right balance and composition?
5: Uh, I didn't really go to school for it, you know, so it's all just, uh, intuition. Just, I basically kind of stick to what feels right to me. Um, whether it's right or not, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a big fan of, uh, simplicity. Um, you know, just because, uh, uh, like like uh, when I did go to school which I didn't go for very long uh, I remember we had a class on uh, billboard design and uh, the teacher said you know with a billboard if, you, if it takes more than five seconds to understand the billboard then you failed because you would drive off the road looking at the billboard as opposed to keeping your eyes on the road and I kind of approached the same philosophy when I started doing covers and I realized that The less information on a cover, the more powerful it can become in a sea of million colors and tons of detail on every other cover. And if you just have a big, bold, you know, negative color or a positive color on there, that it tends to stand out more.
0: So do you often start with more elements in, say, a sketch and then wind up pulling things out to get that right? Sometimes,
5: yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know... Once again, it, it all starts with the main idea and what's what you're trying to get across. And if if that's a very simple idea, then then yeah, go with it. So,
0: Jim, for your uh, your work, I always uh, when I think about your work, I think a lot about kind of experimentation and different print processes. I know you're kind of very into that. Like how uh, so when you're working on a project, like how often or how early I should say do you start thinking about the end product, how it's going to be printed, like what you know, what's kind of shape the book is going to take.
1: Well, um, I do a variety of things. Like, like one of the most recent projects I did is uh, what I call this BW zine. So, in the case of this project, I was doing everything. Um, I start with, uh, I have a concept in my head, and I start doing like budgets for how many pages can it be, what size, what kind of paper, what kind of printings do I have access to based on the budget that I have in mind and how many I wanna make and all that stuff. And so that dictates a certain amount how the project evolves. And that's from the very beginning. Um, in other cases, like you had had a, a pinup I did of Revenger a minute ago. Um, this was for uh, a series that somebody else was publishing. So I already knew what I was dealing with in terms of what I had access to printing-wise it was just four color offset. So it kind of depends whether it's my own project or someone else's. Um, But a lot of that stuff, I I work with a publisher who allows me to be a part of that process, and I will sometimes describe to him what I have in mind. Uh, Last year we did a hardcover book called Street Angel that was printed in black and white with a color section. And shortly after this book was printed, um, I got the idea that it should have been pink paper instead of white paper. And then decided it should have been purple ink instead of black ink, and the publisher was uh, indulges me in some of these ideas and so he went out and got quotes to see if it was feasible to do that on a second printing, which you know it turned out to be but a lot of that is di- dictated on price you know you can only mm-hmm. do what you can sort of do um, so those are all things that I juggle in the beginning. I kind of have a want list sometimes whenever I put together the proposal for a publisher that's included you know I have a very specific format in mind and then it's up to them as to whether they can how many of those things they can meet, uh, but it really it, it depends on the project.
0: I think both you and uh, Nathan, I, I think there's a very similar kind of color palette going on. A lot of these kind of explosive colors. Um, Nathan, how what is your how do you how do you approach building a color palette for a project? Usually, what's your do you have a kind of a personal color theory that you that you sort of shoot for?
3: Uh, I'm not sure if I have an actual color theory. Um, uh, I think I'm very much of the ilk of jumping off of a cliff and f- trying to figure out if I can fly on the way down. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm. I mean, we kind of talked about this the other day, but I'm. I'm kind of discovering that because I never really knew where my interest in these like pure, violent colors comes from. Uh, except you know, being in love with the graphic design of uh, Wired magazine back in the day, uh, with all of those insane spot colors and like specialty binding, and um, you know, being coming from a very uh, broad background, uh, education-wise. I mean, I, I was doing everything I could to cram graphic design and film and photography and especially printmaking, um, you know, into into my work and and access to all of that, and eventually becoming like a an offset pressman. Uh, for a few years um, and learning how to mix and match my own PMSs from scratch and you know it was just really kind of touching and playing and printing uh, in the process it seemed like there was so much more to do than just you know kind of muted or you know standard colors um, you know and then obviously with the internet and you know RGB some of that stuff you just can never reproduce without, without spot coloring so um, you know realizing now as a father that you know my color palettes coming from like Mary Blair and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids books, uh, and cartoons and, and definitely video games. Uh, you know, like just wanting that, that immediacy and that shock and that, that, you know, humor and trying to use color as a narrative tool as opposed to, um, you know, just trying to kind of drop and, you know, drop and fill kind of, kind of situation. And just really right now it's, it's mainly just starting with an idea of kind of the spot colors I want to go with, and then playing around with a little bit of color theory. After that, in terms of what will we'll balance it, what's you know dominant and submissive colors, and you know really just trying to play with all those things that I loved about printing, um, you know, and and mixing those inks and and you know trying to make things that don't work work because um, that very much seems like how I got into all of this to begin with. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of taking that leap of faith that one way or the other it'll, it'll work out. doesn't always work out, but, you know, the process is half the fun.
0: Francis, has the, um, the rise of like digital storefronts, like the way people are now browsing for comics on like Comixology or even Amazon, has that changed the way you think about how a cover should be designed because it's, it's, they're often kind of now seen as these small thumbnails
4: um no not not really i mean uh a lot of um the covers that i design i'm just what's gonna look cool what's gonna tell the story you know i mean like lately i've it's been changing I, i feel like my technique has been changing from cover to cover depending on the subject matter and um a lot of the things that's been dictating my covers as of late has been actually learning color theory. <laughs> I'm still kind of trying to figure it out. So mm-hmm. it's funny, my my newer covers have like less colors than my previous covers. A lot of it is, is me trying to almost, in, similar to how when you were learning how to draw, you kind of went back and started drawing easier structure before all the cross-hatching or whatever. So lately I've just been coming up with simpler designs and I've been finding that they've they've been a lot more, uh, much more striking than the ones that are just colored fairly traditionally. And um, I mean, the only thing that I did with digital in mind was actually the opposite of working with digital. When I was working on the Flash, I did everything that I could to make the book somewhat... Not unreadable digitally, but in a way that the only way to get the full experience of reading it properly was through reading the book, right? So that was actually a concerted effort. <laughs> mm. um, but with with Detective, it's been different. You know, I've I've never really let the the format, I guess, dictate what I was going to do, with the exception of the traditional comic book format, because that's that's what we we do. You know, I mean, I think mm. if I were to do something specifically for digital it would be completely different because there's all sorts of different aspects to it that you could do um, you know but my my job is to try to get that comic book out and then sort of format it for that way you know I mean if, if it works out that the thumbnail works well then great um, if it doesn't you know it doesn't
0: you know. has it changed anybody uh, for any of you has it changed any of your thinking of how to approach a cover or is it It's It's definitely affected me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that I do, I I sell um, myself. You know, I self publish it, I finance it, I sell it. And it it isn't necessarily a known property. So I I do try to make it work on Amazon as a thumbnail, online as a thumbnail. You know, so much social media, you see it as this small image on a screen. So it is something I'm conscious of. But ideally, I want it to work at all these levels. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the work that I enjoy works at different levels. So um, I'm not content that it would only work as the thumbnail, but it is something that I look at. And because so much of the process is now done on a screen, it's very easy to zoom in and out and to sort of like step back, which whenever I worked all non-digital, I would do the same thing. It's just physically I would step back from the drawing board or from the canvas mm-hmm. to sort of just try to see it with you know, a fresh set of eyes, a different perspective. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it, it's part of the process, but I think it's inherently part of the process Probably, for most people, whether it's digital or analog that you're going to be looking at it you know up close when you're working from a distance I don't know what that was. it just fell there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's one thing like outside of comics, especially in terms of like Amazon and book publishing, like those those covers that I have worked on that was that was the first time it was really like brought up you know in art direction was you know how this thing will not only reproduce, but also, too, like the content, how important it is for sales, soliciting. Um, you know, comics feels like there's a bit more freedom and flexibility in terms of mm-hmm. that, but especially when it comes to, like, larger markets, um, you know, in traditional book publishing, especially, like, young adult stuff that I've done, um, that is a very specific market, and every, there's so many, so many eyes on it dictating what should or should not be there that that becomes the battle for, you know, content. You know, or image versus like what will sell. Mm-hmm. You know, or what's hot at the time. And some of the some of the greatest and worst conversations I've ever had <laughs> have come from you know magazine to um, you know, magazine to traditional publishing. Because in in terms of that, it, it literally like especially for Wired. I mean, they they go through a review committee. They send it out to get demographics and analytics back on what people respond to. Uh, and then that whichever one gets the greatest numbers and you know interest is the one that they end up choosing for the cover, hmm. um, you know. So like that was really the first like shocker that you know this stuff actually matters. And I think that definitely is translated into kind of how simple some of my stuff has gotten. But I think along the same lines that you know it sounds like we're all kind of working with that. You know, some things are stronger. You know, the simpler that they are, really just kind of depends.
5: Well, I think with digital coming on. I see eventually the the end of floppies, and uh, I get the feeling that, you know, they're not going to need covers because it'll just be chapters. If you think right. about it, you know, that's all a, that's all a floppy is, is a chapter in a larger story. So I think eventually covers might be going bye-bye, except for maybe trade paperbacks, you know. I mean, it's it's scary to think about for but... just a chapter break page. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why do you need a cover if everything's
1: online? I was uh, I was on a panel I think last year with Chip Kidd, and we were talking about the the changing covers and the way they're used and how like the spines were the new cover. Mm. You know, because especially in the few bookstores that are left, I mean, the shelf space is so valuable and it's so competitive. That is often all you see of a book is that spine. So it's just one more consideration.
0: I've uh, a lot of the the Marvel and DC books I've seen when you kind of stack them on a shelf, they the spines are all over the place. Like, do you, do you you think about that a lot? Kind of the just how, how the spine should be viewed.
1: Yeah. I think about spines a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice. Yeah, everybody
1: likes a switchblade on their bookshelf. <laughs> it's hard, I guess,
0: with a kind of a series of books that where you there you'll see that they kind of change their mind, like. Five volumes in with how that should be laid out, and then they got, kind of go off in a different direction. Or just mm-hmm. one will be
5: different, and that will drive uh, <laughs> the, those people crazy that love everything in order. And yeah. Like, ah.
0: So, um, Tula, I, I, you have one of the most like distinctive styles to come across around like in the last few years. I feel, I, and it seems yes. I've been looking at your process a little bit, like just some stuff you posted online. It seems like you. Uh, it's, it's all very painterly, but it seems like you kind of approach your process like a designer and how you kind of layer things together. You do some yeah. things on paper, some things digitally, and then you sort of start moving elements around yeah. and piece it all together. Yeah, but yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your, your process there?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, that's... I, I guess you're right, actually. I haven't, I haven't thought about that too much, and I've, I'm probably more interested in illustration than anything else, but I suppose I do approach things from a design perspective. I, I think you kind of need to when you're regarding composition and stuff. It's it's really important. Um and I do I do like a lot of art that incorporates kind of a that has a heavy design element. Um so I mean basically the the mishmash of kind of digit some digital, some inks, some watercolor stuff has has purely come from me just trying to explore what I want to do, because I'm very new to this. I only started working in comics, like, full-time, maybe a year and a half ago. And um, I've kind of always done illustration stuff, um, but really, I I kind of, I guess I've kind of just explored what I want to do as I've been published. And so I started off working with a lot of ink to start with, and it was very time-consuming and difficult. And... There's no history button on, the, on an ink pen as well, which drives me nuts because I, ma- I make so many mistakes. So I ended up mainly doing everything digital, but really my my heart with 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 artwork is is in the way um, traditional feels. I love that, and I, I love being able to see ink on paper and textures and accidents. And sometimes digital can can really uh, rob a, a picture of of those interesting textures that you get. So my way around that is to, um, I usually do my line art digitally most of the time now, but um, I create a lot of um, textured watercolors that I scan in. And um, then it's just a process of having lots of different ones of those um, in different colors and just constantly overlaying stuff and working into it again. So I f- I think it still looks a, a little traditional. Um, I think so. It's it's very it's very hard for me to comment on my own work because <laughs> I look at it so much I don't know. But I'm
0: sorry I've stolen so many of these process pieces uh, here. No, no, This
2: this is a this is a really good way to show how I work because. Um, I had to do so much for Rebels, number one. (laughs) I was just constantly back and forth. And because I was still very new to it, Brian and Sierra, the editor at Dark Horse, were kind of, I I don't think there was that element of trust there yet that you were talking about because I'm new to the industry. So they they had me do a lot of stuff beforehand. Um,
0: So because it is kind of layered digitally, do you have editors or whoever then asking for changes late in the game? Does that ever happen?
2: It's, it's not not so much. I mean, it, it may be bad because of my time constraints at the moment. I tend to be taken on jobs where I know I'll have almost complete creative freedom. And if I don't have that, and if I'm in situations where I, ha- I know I'm going to have to have a lot of changes, I'm quite wary of that at the moment. And I'm not—I'm re- I'm lucky enough at the moment to not really be in that situation. With rebels, that that can that can happen quite a bit, and it can be time-consuming. And it's okay if you have time, but I—but I don't right now. <laughs> so I feel very lucky at the moment to be working with a lot of publishers and editors that are kind of just letting me do what I want. And I'm not I'm not really having to make any changes because I think everyone here knows that that's a really yeah, tedious was, thing to I was have kind of to mean, do. Dave,
0: do you get a lot of sort of end-of-the-process changes or is it at that point
5: has everything been kind of signed off on and you just finish it from there? Well, most of the time my editors are afraid of me, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, on 100 Bullets... Um, Uh, we had an editor switch from uh, uh, Axel Alonzo, who went on to work at Marvel, uh, to uh, Will Dennis. And uh, the first time my interaction with Will, who I didn't know, I'd never worked with him before, but he came on and he was like, yeah, why don't you send me about 10 thumbnail sketches for this new cover? And I was like, oh. And he likes to remind me of this. I, I literally said well, let me tell you how it's really going to work. <laughs> and he goes, oh. And then he knew. Like, I, I kind of set the stage, and, and we had a great relationship since then, but, you know, is it that that, I'm, that first, you know, who's going to win? And I guess I did. So, nice. um, but he's a great editor, so. Um, but, yeah, not, not too many changes, you know. I just recently did a Get Jiro cover. With Anthony Bourdain and and it was all said and done and it's been in the internets and all that but I guess right before it, it got published he goes you know can you make the guy look a little younger so I went back digitally and you know added more hair and just made him look more handsome like this so but normally it didn't really, didn't really happen much. Let's uh, go down the line and I, I want
0: to see if i, I kind of want to hear everybody describe their own cover design style if possible like let's start with you dave like how would you describe your
5: i don't know i kind of have i'm like most people on here i have different styles for different books you know like i i love traditional how to draw comics some marvel way kind of cover design and i've done many of those and and then you get hundred bullets which is more design design heavy and uh then you got illustrative design, you know, covers, so I I'm all over the place, you know. I don't like to just do one type of career direction, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. How about you,
5: Francis?
4: Uh yeah, I mean the the same. I mean, I, I I try to let the subject matter sort of lead me to the approach, but to be honest, sometimes I just feel like drawing a certain way I and mean, that's it. You know, um, when I do my thumbnails, they're, they're quite small so I can see the entire silhouette of the cover. And then from there I'll, I'll change what I feel like doing, you know, like sometimes I'll do watercolor ink wash. Sometimes I'll just do straight up line work. It it really, really depends.
0: You do know? you, um, do you work digitally as a mixture is it all I do watercolor? my,
4: I do my pencils digitally and then, uh, I, I print it out like, um, you know, with very low opacity, and then I'll, I'll use ink wash um, or watercolor wash. It depends on what's a, what I feel like using that day. And then I, I do the, the finishes uh, digitally again. So I, I, I like the certain textures that the real thing sort of has, you know. But, I mean, there's certain pieces where I really wanted more, I wanted a more graphic approach, so then sometimes I'll just do it completely digitally. You know, I think I've only done a couple of covers that are completely digital. Um, uh, I don't know if it, I thought it was kind of neat that nobody realized that it was digital because, like, you know, I would get these emails, "Hey, can I get the original?" I'm like, I don't have it. it; doesn't exist. You know? Yeah. But I think that uh, you know, I think that's the fun thing about covers is that you don't, you actually don't have to be consistent in your style. You can keep changing because with an mm-hmm. interior, there's there's an expectation of consistency when you're telling a story, otherwise it'll be jarring. So with with covers, I can go from a silhouette with splatters of colors and then I could do the next one with a lot of cross-hatching. And the next one where it's a lot of watercolor. just, you know. That's the fun thing about covers. You can do what you want. <laughs> yeah.
0: How about you, Nathan? What's the... How would you describe the Nathan
3: Fox style? Uh, there I'm, is not, one. I'm not sure that should actually... Happen. That actually <laughs> can be defined, <laughs> but... I, no, I mean, I'm, 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 that's the whole reason why I love doing covers is that it's a new thing every time and I can, you know, we can play with the editors and the stories and, you know, do stuff that are based on arcs, like for the uh, Captain Victory stuff. I mean, taking on, taking on Kirby was like the one question, like, what? Well, how does it make you, you know? Aren't you intimidated? I'm like, no, I don't really know Kirby that well, uh, and um, so apologies to fans. Um, but uh, but I love the character, and I've I've always enjoyed his work. But uh, you know, it's it's never. I didn't really grow up with with comics or or any of that stuff. So it was a it was a new discovery, and my my link and my connection to all that stuff was uh, was like great sci-fi pulp covers. I never read the actual books. As I was going say
5: those remind yeah. me of like Richard Powers. Yeah, like, it, was, that it was era. Yeah, totally. It mm-hmm. was like
3: my homage to all of that. You know, it's just it was yeah, the insanely. do not necessarily have anything to do with the inside, but they just look badass. Yeah, like, what yeah. What is this? I gotta pick it up. And, sure. that, and that that was that was my response. Is like I, we're gonna redefine this. Let's totally redefine it. And like the thing I loved about this about sci-fi and especially like how how Captain Victory was established is just it's a just completely different, insane worlds. You know, it's like suspension of disbelief how can how fast can we get there and and in what way do i respond to it and like those those covers were really like my entry you know like going back to, you know going back to the old box that i still have from when i got kicked out of my home my childhood home you know and like flipping through all of those pulps you know was was awesome um you know it's so like just responding to it i mean that's honestly they, i agree it's the same thing it's that's kind of the joy of doing you know comic covers is having that flexibility and You know, just playing with story in a single image and knowing that, you know, you can play with a a breadth of images that are, you know, going to be collected for a reason or, you know, a a short arc that may have, you know, a specific design element on purpose for one reason or another or just be completely random because that's what the story calls for. You know, so putting, you know, definitely putting, you know, story as king and queen first and then, like, just responding from there as to, you know, how, how I'm... I may or may not do it you know I think I think the cool thing now is just being asked to make art as opposed to just illustrate words or you know that that whole you know we need this hero doing this thing on the cover like that I, that's when I just walked away for a while I was like no I'm not yeah it's not my thing whether whether I'm yeah, put a on popular. the edge of a building or on a yeah, garble. Yeah, oh, yeah that would be great. We need these silhouettes <laughs> in the background, and he's got to be swooping in. I'm like, well, actually, he can Make do them other each other, like two guys about to fight. We yeah. need that cover again. Yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, editors love cliches. Like, I don't know why, but... They cliches. let you know what they're going to Some get, cliches right? are good, but
0: yeah. Well, Tula, I, I, you know you're fairly new to the... to do what you're doing, but like at this point, like, I imagine a publisher or an editor knows they've come to you because they wanted to like, hey cover is that good or is that like for your career is that limiting like for your as an artist does, do you want to kind of like i want to do something completely different um
2: I, I get i mean firstly that's amazing that's it makes i get really excited still <laughs> like um i just had an email the other day from a publisher i've always wanted to work for and um, I was like, oh, I've got an email from Marvel. <laughs> I've never worked for them before, so I, I'm super excited. I thought you were going to say Larry Flint for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm just
4: kidding. Hey. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> um, but I have completely lost my train of thought now. <laughs> um, where was no, that? Let's go Marvel. That's Marvel. Great. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't. I can't really talk about that actually. I sure But. Um,
0: I want to ask you about it.
2: Uh, I, d- I can't remember what. So. Oh, I was just saying <laughs> the. Uh,
0: just do you feel uh, people, uh, you've got you're kind of establishing a style, and then people want that style. Yeah, do you feel the leeway to deliver something completely different.
2: Yeah, I think because I'm new to this, and I've I've never no, I've obviously got a strong style, but it's not something I've outright kind of wanted to do, and I, I think I'm still. Evolving as an artist and trying a lot of new things, so I do I do feel okay doing different stuff. Or I would I would feel okay if I was wanting to experiment. But I guess the thing is with time constraints at the moment, I keep I keep going with what I know, and I do enjoy that. But. Yeah, I d- I want to explore a lot of different areas, and it- it's funny what you guys are saying because like I I really like heavy design, simple covers, and like Dave's stuff is just I- incredible when it's it's very simple and concise. And I m- may look at something and think, well, I want to do that with this cover, um, absolutely, and just want two colours. And then every single time I I hit that, it's just like this complete overhaul of every colour ever and I just can't seem to be able to simplify stuff. I love I love covers with negative space and I really want to do that and I haven't got to that point yet, so I guess maybe in the future I would like to kind of tone things down a little bit and
5: you know the key to that is to wait till the last day. (laughs) That's you've got to trust me you will be like (laughs) one cover, one colour, good enough, you know.
0: jim mm-hmm. what do people come to you asking for it? Is there is there a Jim rug style that they're looking for or what how does
4: yeah how um, would you describe your
1: i work in a lot of different styles and different media so whenever somebody comes to me for a cover i always say like the greatest clients are people who hire me and just tell me they love me to do whatever i want or people who hire me and have a very specific idea of what they want. Mm-hmm. And then the nightmares are the people who will know it when they see it. <laughs> so often if somebody wants to hire me for something um, and it's someone I'm not familiar with, I'll ask them what brought them to me. you know, To give me an idea of what they're looking for. Okay. Because you know, my stuff does kind of range quite a bit. And if somebody's here looking for something that looks like a 1940s style... And I'm drawing ballpoint pen, you know, notebook doodles. Um, <laughs> or can, Tom we can of be Finland? Very far Was that apart. the Tom one, of Finland. Yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah.
1: yeah I so I there love can that be, uh, you know, there can be a pretty wide range of what somebody somebody has in mind. I mean, going
0: from here to this little, little Nemo cover your design, mm-hmm. it's like you wouldn't expect that's the same right. person.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I look at this stuff as um, a, a complete package, uh, so I like to. In the case of the little Nemo i was I art directed this project as well, so I was very close to the material and actually had the book kind of put together before I did the covers uh, whenever I do my own work i I tend to do covers as late in the process as possible, so I have a very strong grasp of the work um but you know it varies from job to job and and like I said, I just try to get whoever I'm working for to give me as much of what they have in mind as possible mm-hmm. and then uh you know it's it's different for each person and each job, but it's it's good to get on the same page as much as possible early on.
0: Well, at this point, let's see if there's any questions from the audience. All right. So let me just repeat the question so cuz we're going to be re- recording this. Um so the the question is uh do you basically do you uh do you feel the need that you need to do sequential work in addition to cover design or can you basically focus on cover design as a career and, and go forward with that?
5: Well I think when when I was starting out yeah it was real hard to just go hey I just want to do covers, you know. And that was pretty much predominant. You know, you got to do the interiors, too. But nowadays, I mean, you know, I remember when James Jean got into it, and he just met the right editor, which was Mark Chiarello, and he was right out of right out of college, right out of art school, and they just started giving him cover work, you know, because he was that good. I mean, that guy's a freaking, you know, phenom. Um, but I think, I, you know, if – I would just do samples and just show what you're capable of as far as covers. And if you get the skills, eventually somebody's going to hire you. You, know? you just got to find the right
4: guy. That's all. I think also the, the expectation for a cover artist is the illustrative aspect of your art. The, that, that expectation is so high. You know, whereas you know, I started in interiors and the covers really just became a part of the package and that took a while to to develop. And a lot of the reasons why I, I got cover work is because they figured, well, you know, his his name has a certain attachment to it and would sell a certain amount. It, I don't think I got covers because I was a good cover artist. It just, you know, I think it just happened slowly. But I think for people that are starting out covers right away, those guys just blow my mind because this, the editors see the same thing. They see that this person's... Uh, Technical aspect of their art is so outstanding that they can leapfrog that. Yeah, so there's, there's the competition. is just, just a higher, crazy, crazy. I mean, caliber. Yeah.
5: Some of the people on this panel, okay. you know, like, like I feel like I'm the. I've been. Yeah. Pretty much doing it longer than, you know. I think so, but yeah, yeah. I've I've watched the skill level of covers just mm-hmm. go up and up and up and. You know, I'm starting to feel like, oh, man, you know, like, <laughs> people are going to stop hiring me any, any day now because they've got better people to, to do my job. So yeah. it's crazy. Uh, right
2: there. Um, when you're working with colors on covers, uh, do you ever tend to focus on one color and then um, just pick the other colors and um, look good with those other
0: that's a good question. So, the question yeah. is Do you, in choosing colors for a cover, do you start with just one and then build a palette around that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I tend to do that a lot of the time. I start with a base color or a base texture, which is usually scandaled brown paper. Um, and sometimes I kind of change the hue saturation to make it more pink or blue, but. I think that's a really easy way to, to dictate the color scheme or it's, or it's something that I do because I'll start laying in flat colors, in, digitally, I'll start laying in flat colors on the line artwork with the base color underneath and then when you turn the opacity down, if, if you know what that means, the, the base color shines through and it gives everything a similar hue, that, that's how I mainly work.
3: Yeah I I treat them like underpaintings as well in terms yeah. of starting with just like a base a base coat so yeah. and then just picking out from that you know generally it's it's blacks and whites on top of that and then suddenly it starts forming
0: mm. um, yeah is yeah. there a, oh, I'm sorry didn't drop ahead.
1: well um you know you seem like a a young person if this is something that you're doing um, there are a lot of resources online for creating a color palette where you start with one color, mm-hmm. and this gets into. Um, Francis had mentioned color theory earlier, but there are a lot of generators for that, and they will kind of tell you the different types of color relationships, and then give you a palette starting from this color that you begin, you know, that, that you choose to start with. Um, so, if you're starting to work with color, that may be something um, to look into as a resource to kind of play around and, and start to
4: get an idea of how different relationships with colors work. Man, I want that website.
2: Yeah. I was just... I'm serious. A, just I, I cool. use it all the time.
4: You literally just Google color palette generator. Mm-hmm. I, that's this is new. Yeah, a, yeah, like, it's awesome. There's a bunch of plugins, plugins for Photoshop and Illustrator now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right, yeah. done it, done. There's even one website where you could uh, put a link to a JPEG. Yeah, And it will give you the color palette of that image. Sweet. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, it's I mean, amazing. And Job do it. done. It's amazing. You can be like, uh,
1: you know, some of us are a little more traditional in our methods. So <laughs> the traditional way would be getting what's called a color wheel. And then you can kind of just see geometrically relationships between colors. So if you start with the pink, for instance, uh, you know, you can kind of see like all the, all the various ways other colors relate to that point. Um, which is what these color palette generators mm-hmm. do digitally um, very quickly. But if you want to work analog, that would
4: be the, the same. I remember when it's Brian cool. Stillfree showed me like a, a color palette. I'm like, oh man! And yeah. I'm like moving the yeah, like circles moments. around. I'm like, oh, this is so cool because <laughs> yeah, I'm used to just seeing the digital version. So man, between works. that
5: and SketchUp, who needs to draw <laughs> anymore? It's <I'm> just, <laughs> just like <laughs> done. <laughs> done, done, done. You know. That was a that was a great question.
0: There was a few more, I think, uh, over there in the blue.
1: Um, how does the credits on the cover and the publisher information
5: and um, the, UPC? How does that inform your your composition? You yeah. Consider all right, well, I need to leave a little space over here. And- yeah. No. It dictates a lot. You know, especially that crappy UPC thing that they can't mm-hmm. seem to or don't want to put on the back of the covers. You know. You know, which drives me crazy. Um, at least now I use that as a place to sign my name, so that's good. That's the only <laughs> use I have for it. Um, but, yeah, no, of course. I mean, you got to know where to, you know, you don't want stuff being cut off too much, you know. Sometimes you can go over the logo, but, you know, it still needs to be readable, you know, so. Yeah,
3: and then much much like the logo, logo placement, you know, just starting to work in terms of design as to where I would like it dictated so that the the sketch of the JPEG of the final that I send in before the final art, like, it it has that kind of knocked out, yeah. you know, so that, like, this is where this is supposed to go. You know, like, please take this recommendation. <laughs> you know, and it just, just designing to it, because all those elements have to be considered, because it's, you know, presenting the thing as a whole. Um, you know, and, and just kind of designing to, you know, the final intent, and the art will always be there. Um, but, you know form and function yeah
0: i guess a lot of those things are a given up front but do you sometimes get surprised
5: by oh they just they've added this you know element <sighs> that i didn't know about and, Does that happen? yeah recently at marvel they got the secret wars crap going on and they've got this huge round blob logo <laughs> thing and and so that's got a typeface and then they've got other trade dress that's got a typeface and then you got the logo typeface and they're all different and then I, you know, I, I wanted to put some typeface on my illustration, which is another typeface, and it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> there's too much going on. It's driving me crazy. So yeah, that. that and then you got that red bar along the bottom, and that's more type, and it, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. You through yeah, the five minutes, and now you run off the road. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So.
0: Any other questions? Any other. That's good. Yes. Yeah. So what 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 software and,
5: and hardware do you guys use? Photoshop and Photoshop. Cintiqs. You know. Yeah. The Cintiq is the greatest invention ever, you know. Compared to using a mouse, you know, that <laughs> that was terrible. But yeah, Photoshop for me.
4: That's uh, that's pretty much yeah. standard. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if anybody else.
5: Actually Artrage is fun. Um, I know Dan Panosian uses it to actually color. I I use it just to do like very painterly kind of swirly stuff because it blends so it's whatever algorithm you're using is it's it you can literally just drop in a photo and it treats it like it's wet paint and you can just start squishing it around and it blends together and it's amazing um but if you really get good at it like dan he colors everything under the line art and it looks like looks like he just whipped out his like you know gouache brushes and and it's it's and it's cheap. You, I think you can get it for free.
0: Is that what you did with the
5: uh, a piece? No, that I, I just scanned a piece of chipboard, and that's how I color a lot of my stuff. I just start with the chipboard, which is brown. It's got a texture to it, and then uh, and then I just do uh, uh, multiply layers uh, to add color and shadow, and then a 100% layer
3: to uh, bring up highlights. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, the thing I've run into is the um, trying to get hand done work done digitally. You know, it takes like five hours to fake something that takes five seconds. Um, so if you really love pencil line or, you know, dry brush work, or at least for me, like I, there's no way I have to, I have to go, you know, go back to working in multiple layers and then scan those in and, you know, add textures and then. Start using, start using, it you know Photoshop and you know Manga Studio and all of that stuff, like as a you know, still as a tool, as opposed to like, well, how can I change what I really want to do in order to just solve the problem? You know, it's just that standard I've learned not to not to cheat on anymore. It just, I just, I can't get it to work. I'm not that savvy and too impatient. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
5: how do you feel about like? covers and alternate covers, like, do you welcome that or do you feel like it
0: detracts from your original intention? And if you do know there's going to be an A and a B cover, does that change how you think about it? That's a good question. There's a lot, there is no, usually no longer just one cover for a comic now. There's a lot of variants. Is that, is that buggy, guys?
5: I've been making a good living lately doing variant <laughs> Yeah, covers. I was going <laughs> to say, variants are great. <laughs> and, and half the time, you don't, because it's a variant, I can, pretty much do whatever I want, you know, I mean, uh, and I have, uh, even down to, I don't even, like, some of the Ninja covers I've done, I was like, I don't even want the logo on there, I'll yep. draw something myself, and just incorporate it into the into the work, and it kind of takes the pressure off, and it makes it more fun.
0: That's interesting, you have more leeway with the variants, then. Yeah, yeah I figure, who
5: cares, you know, like, well, you know, but the downside is nobody, not as many people see it, so, you know, I mean... There's a trade-off, but, you know, the check's still cash the same. So, <laughs> you know, I'm all good with that, you know. that the same for, like, an A&B cover or is just for, like, a limited one in one Oh, I don't – I mean, I, I yeah, just know I get paid effect. no matter how many or they're going to get rid of, uh, you know. I got my cover rate and they pretty much pay that. So, so for me, I like them, you know. Any other questions? I don't know if if we
0: get kicked out of this room or what, but I think we're we're over the time anyway. But I want to thank all our panelists. I think that was great.